I'm going to talk to you today about the seven mountains, and uh, I'm going to start with what Jesus spoke to us. What are we supposed to be doing while we're here on this earth? And I'm going to try to pack a lot into a half an hour, and I believe the Lord is with me, so I'm going to pull it off. Matthew 6, 7 through 13, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he says, and when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him, and in this manner, pray. Okay. You know what would be great is if this worked. Amen. Okay, it wants to go one way, but not the other. Here we go. Yes. Our Father in heaven, <laughs> hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, I want you to pray, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't say, I want you to pray that you would be taken to heaven and no longer be on earth or that you would simply preserve us and help us to hold on long enough to make it to heaven. No, he says, I want you to pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven, not later, but now. And he continues to say, ask for the things that you need. Give us today our daily bread. In other words, in the present, respond in tangible and practical ways for the needs that we have. Go to the Father each day, and when you pray, pray these things. Our Father in heaven, Holy is your name. You have a standard. You're holy. You're set apart. And we're asking that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. Is everybody with me? Furthermore, Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. I want you to be salty. I want you to preserve I want you to taste good. I want you to flavor. That's what Jesus is saying. I want you to bring the flavor of heaven into every situation that you're in. Furthermore, I want your light to so, to so shine. And where is that light coming from? How do you know what that light looks like? You, will you look into heaven? Because Jesus said, I want you to pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. So if you're looking for what needs to be released in your area, in the place of your authority, the place where you have real and true influence, then you want to you know what that looks like? Will you look into heaven? You look at Jesus and you say, Jesus, what's going on in heaven? Is there unforgiveness in heaven? No, there's not, son. Okay, well, then I guess I better forgive. Is there poverty in heaven, Lord? No, there's not. Well, then I guess I better create some wealth. I better create some way that we can take care of the people on this earth. And so on and so forth. Is there sickness? No, there's not. Well, then we better pray for people to be healed. We better discover new ways to be able to release healing as a lifestyle. Are you guys with me? So he says, and then... Let your light so shine before men. Let your lifestyle be so clear. Let there be such clarity. How many, how many of you know when you turn the light on, you can see better, right? 
So let the light that's in you, let the kingdom that's in you, let my values that are in you, my love that's in you, my forgiveness that's in you, my patience, my excellence that's in you, so shine through your actions, through your lifestyle, through those things that are under your care and authority, that others see the way that you live, they see the good works that you have, they see the way you treat your wife and your children and your employees and your money and your neighbor and me, and they go, wow, that's amazing. And this thing is bugging me. I gotta quit messing with it. We good? All right. Further, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Say gospel of the kingdom. Yeah, it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's not the gospel of the get off the earth quickly card. Gospel of the kingdom. Remember, we prayed, Lord, let your kingdom. Did he say, get your peeps? No, he said, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. So the gospel of the kingdom. And he's healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, first of all, you guys know that, that, that the word says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And furthermore, it says, and I do not change like shifting shadows. So the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And while Jesus was on the earth, and who was Jesus? The Son of God. The manifestation of the Father's heart. When the disciples said, show us the Father, Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen how I roll, you know how Daddy rolls. From now on, you have seen him. See, Jesus is perfect theology. You look at Jesus' life. You want to know what the Father's like? Look at Jesus' life. Look at what he did. He came. He served. He was so generous. He gave his own self. God paid a tithe of himself. God wanted sons and daughters, and he gave his first fruits. Jesus gave himself and gained all of us. That's generosity. Come on. Is the Father generous? Yes. That's why we're generous. We're not generous just so we can get stuff. We're generous because we're like our dad, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave. That was for free. So he says, therefore pray. And Jesus has not changed. He still looks at the multitudes and he says, I am moved with compassion because these multitudes are weary and scattered. They're like sheep who have no shepherd. And he's still saying to us, this was to the disciples, but this scripture is still, we can apply it to us. It's not inappropriate to look at the context of a God who never changes and said to his disciples, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're scattered. They're weary. Therefore pray that there will be more laborers. And that's still to us. Pray that there will be more laborers. And furthermore, be salt and light. Furthermore, be salt and light. Release my goodness in your area where you have actual power. Don't just write a blog about it. Get out there and show some love with where you actually have some influence. Your neighbor, your workplace, your mama. Are you guys having fun yet? You're, you're, you're so quiet today. All right. All right. Thank you, Jesus. 
James 5, 16, I love this. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. The effective prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. Therefore, pray because the righteous prayer I'm messing it up because the effective prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. God is still telling us, listen, you got to pray. Jesus prayed. When Jesus was here, it says he was constantly praying. That's how he got things done. He would go and he would pray, and then he would go and do the things that he'd been praying about. The disciples, remember, they were were in all kinds of trouble, and Jesus said, I prayed for you. And after this, after you're scattered, you're going to make it. I prayed for you. Well, it hasn't changed for us. We now, Jesus, he said, we're the light of the world. He said, we're to pray. We're to do these things. And then here we go, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and, what's that say? Where? Like later or? Okay. So is there a time later when that happens or is this already in effect? You guys don't sound sure. Is it already in effect or not? All right, so does Jesus have all the authority? Okay, what does all mean? Mostly? A little bit? It depends on what the definition of the word is, is? Some of you are actually too young to even get that. You're like, what? What are you talking about? Okay. (laughs) Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore... And make disciples of? How many? Which ones is he not interested in? I think that's where we should just get right down. Which nations is Jesus just saying, forget that, I don't care about that? None. Absolutely none. This is all. God is commanding us to go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. How do we know that it's, we've got to the end of the age? Pardon? He said, it. he said it, that's true. But how will we know we got there? He'll come. He'll come. It won't be hard to know. He will come and we'll be like, Oh, it's the end of the age. <laughs> I know, right? This is, is anybody writing this down? This is good stuff. I don't see anybody taking notes. Wait, thank you. Hallelujah. Whew. I start feeling very not intellectual when no one takes notes. They're like, okay, another pop song. Okay. All right, all right. Now, here's the interesting thing. For many of us, this is where it starts to fall apart. We start getting concerned about whether or not God actually meant that we could actually make disciples of nations. We start getting kind of culturized. We've heard a lot of things in our life, and we start thinking, okay, well, that's nice and sweet and cute, you know, when Jesus is saying it. But am I supposed to say it? Am I supposed to do it? Is this actually going to work out in real time? Can we really make disciples of all nations? What would that look like? And I think for many of us, whether we realize it or not, we can actually find ourselves having our own sense of of an absolute inappropriate application of a separation between church and state. It's like, oh man, I don't know. That would be, what would happen if, I mean, what would happen if, if Christians were actually influencing some things? Wouldn't that be bad? 
Wouldn't that be scary? Wouldn't they just screw things up? Are we allowed to do that? Are we allowed to be in positions of authority and influence? Is that a good idea? And, and I think for most of us, I don't know if we spend a lot of time thinking about this, but, but I think we better. I think we better start thinking about this. I think we better start thinking about whether or not Jesus actually meant that we were supposed to make disciples of all people, but also all nations. Did you guys know that all the nations are being discipled right now? Did you know that? Every single nation is being discipled right now. China was discipled by Mao for a long time. I don't know if that worked out very well. Okay, I do. It did not work out very well. The USSR was discipled by Stalin for about, what, 70 years? And it absolutely destroyed the economy because the ideology that was being taught at that time doesn't work with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven has something to say about reality. And if you do the wrong thing long enough, eventually the fruit looks a lot like the ideas. Might take some time, but they'll catch up with it. But what's the point? The point is every nation is being discipled right now. The question is, who's doing the discipling? And if it can be done, if it can be done, then can it be done well? Is anyone here unclear as to whether or not the nations are being discipled by someone? Are you unclear? Just raise your hand. Are you unclear about that? Maybe. Maybe a little bit. But that's mostly just a high five. (laughs) And so the question is, God, are you actually asking us to be strategic about the way that we would release the kingdom of heaven? Do you really mean this stuff, that you want us to make disciples of all nations? Do you really mean that we're salt and light? Do you really mean that we can actually extend your kingdom in places of influence in the marketplace? And if so, where would I do that? How would I do that? And that's what we're going to talk about for the next 11 minutes. <laughs> I want to tell you a story. This is not an awesome graphic. It was, uh, I was running a little bit late, so I apologize for this. By the way, I do have to say this real quick for my own good. Remember that little fish thing I did the other day? That was supposed to be a joke, but I forgot I was going to use that um, slide forever on that scripture. So it's supposed to flash up for a minute, and you're supposed to go, <laughs> and then we were going to move on. And then I realized I have like half of my preach with this scripture up. And anyway, I want to thank Josh Davis who iron sharpens iron and told me, when your wife leaves, you go completely insane. <laughs> she, she, was on a, she was on a ladies retreat. So anyway, I just want to let you know, I didn't like the graphic either. It was supposed to be a joke. For a couple of you out there, you were like, thank you. I can listen to you now. All right. I want to tell you a story about the seven mountains. How many of you have heard of the seven mountains or maybe the seven spheres or uh, the seven uh, mind molders? Or a couple of you. So I want to talk to you a little bit about where that came from and how that ties together with what we're doing right now, with what we're doing in prayer right now and how we can get involved right now and why that's exciting. Huh? Okay. I know I was, yeah. Okay. This is Lauren Cunningham. Lauren Cunningham founded Youth with a Mission. He is a phenomenal, he and Darlene, phenomenal, phenomenal leaders. He has been in every single country in the world to preach the gospel. Not a lot of us can say that. I mean every single country. Um, Right now, I believe, is it, how many bases are there now? 
Is it 1,200? Oh, see, I was only off by 600 bases. There's a, there's at, at, okay, let's just go with this. There's at least 1,700 YWAM bases in the world because he's thinking it's 18. I just want to be safe. No evangelistic math here. All right? The, it is, at this point, is it the largest missionary? It is the largest missionary group in the world. Sends short-term missionaries all over internationally. Um, Lauren Cunningham founded... Uh, youth with a mission. And as he was praying and seeking the Lord in 1975, this is, what, this is what happened. This is where this came from. It was August 1975. This is Lauren speaking. My family and I were up in a little cabin in Colorado, and the Lord had given me that day a list of things I had never thought about before. He said, this is the way to reach America and nations for God. You have to see them like classrooms or like places that were already there and go into them with those who are already working in those areas. And I call them mind molders or spheres. I got the word spheres from 2 Corinthians 10, where Paul speaks in the New American Standard about the spheres he had been called into. So the spheres of influence, that's where we get that, that term. And with these spheres, there were seven of them. And I'll get to these, those in a moment. This is the transcript. Uh, but it was a little later that day that a ranger came up. They were staying in Colorado. And he said, there's a phone call for you back at the ranger station. So I went back down about seven miles and took the call. And it was a mutual friend who said, Bill Bright and Vanette are in Colorado at the same time that you are. Would you and Darlene come over and meet with them? They would love to meet with you. So we flew over to Boulder. And as we came in and greeted each other, we had been friends for quite some time. I was reaching for my yellow pad that I'd written on the day before. And he said, Bill Bright, Lauren, I want to show you what God has shown me. And it was virtually the same list that God had given me the day before. Three weeks later, my wife Darlene and I had seen Dr. Francis Schaefer on TV, and he also had the same list. So three major preachers of the gospel, strategic thinkers called by God to release the gospel in the nations, the gospel of the kingdom, all get the same strategy in 1975. So I realized that this was for the body of Christ. So I'm going to just go through, actually, I'm going to just continue with his notes because I really do want to just give you a, a broad view of this, and then I'm going to pull this together on why this connects with us praying right now, okay? So Lauren says he, he gave the list for the first time in Hamburg, Germany, at a big cathedral there with a group of hundreds of young people that had gathered at that time. And I said, these are the areas that you can go into as missionaries, and here they are. First, it's the institution set up by God, the family. The first missionary place is to go into the family. After the family, the church, the people of God. The third, the area of school or education. The fourth, media, public communication in all forms, printed and electronic. The fifth was what I call celebration. And this includes the arts and entertainment and sports where you celebrate within your culture. The sixth would be the whole area of the economy, which starts with innovations in science and technology, productivity, sales, and service. The whole area that we often call business, but we leave out sometimes the scientific part, which actually raises the wealth of the world. Anything new, like making sand into chips for a microchip that increases wealth in the world, and then, of course, prediction sales and service helps to spread the wealth. So you can see how science and technology creates new wealth, and then, of course, unless you sell it, unless it gets out there, it's of no use yet, but you can see how the two are married together. And so the last area is government. 
The Bible shows in Isaiah 33, verse 22, there are three branches of government, so it's all three of the branches, judicial, legislative, and executive. And then there are subgroups under all these different groups. So these different groups exist in every culture in the world. You go to any nation, you're going to find groupings. Now, there's a little bit of, uh, anytime you find people, you're going to have some different opinions. So there are, um, there are some different ways that, that people break down these groups. But across the board, you're going to see the same groups. Some people put arts and entertainment and media together and then break science and technology out of business and make that its own and then have business as well. But the point is, as, as these three men heard it in 1975, there were seven main spheres of influence. And that's the, that's the key thing here. We have these main spheres of influence that exist in every nation. They exist in every ethnos. Whether you've got a, uh, you know, we, I've shared with you guys about Spirit of the Rainforest with the shaman who comes to Christ, right? Well, you know what he does? He uses science and technology to go out and kill pigs. He's got a spear. All right? And what he does is he comes in and he takes care of his two wives. And he has two wives because he can afford it because he's a good hunter. So he's a businessman. This is, this is as basic as it gets, but this is reality. This is reality. So in these areas, every one of us are already engaged. Each of us is already engaged in family. You're in this room, so you're engaged in church. You're engaged in religion. Most of you... Uh, are working or you're connected to someone who's working and everything that you've got is provided because somebody else is working in the sense of when you go into a business, right, they're providing a need. So you're connected with this. We're all affected by the government right now. Um, you know, we're paying our taxes. We're enjoying the roads. We're enjoying the, the, the uh, infrastructure that exists. So you can see how these things are key components in any nation. But God has called us to make disciples of all nations. And he's, he's called us to be salt and light in every single one of these spheres. He's called us to be salt. And he goes further in that scripture, if you recall, and he says this. If the salt has lost its savor, what good is it for? In other words, if you don't bring any kind of a flavor that's different than the, than the plain muesli of your culture, how are you helping anything? I've called you to be salt. I've actually called you to bring the flavor of heaven into that sphere. I've asked you to bring my innovation into your sphere. I've asked you to bring my love into your sphere. I've asked you to bring forgiveness into your sphere. I know of a businessman uh, who actually has he shared with me uh, several times where he said, you know, I, I honestly uh, have every right, and, and, and apart from the fact that I'm a follower of Christ, I should have fired a couple of employees that I have. And as I was getting ready to, because they deserved it. <laughs> and I, they're terrible, terrible employees. And the Lord said, actually, I want you to hold on to these guys. I'm working on them. And I'm okay with you paying for that. But I'll cover you. And as he continued to invest in these guys, there were two specific guys that he was working with. Both of them got their lives turned around. And they did, they did go on to become profitable employees. But it cost him a while. And that was an, that was an application of him being salt and light in his place of business. Now, it doesn't always mean that you're going to keep lousy employees on. He was in a specific situation where that wasn't messing his, his, his business up. But God had said, I want you to extend grace. I want you to give love to some guys who are giving you no love. I want you to give generosity to some people who are giving you nothing. And by the way, you're, you're not going to get any kind of 
direct uh, <laughs> profit from this right now, but I'll cover you. So that's just one application. That's just one application of generosity. Where does generosity come from? The king. Every one of us is already strategically placed. But furthermore, God wants to see his people blessed. Blessing came from the Lord. Blessing is God's idea. Innovation is God's idea. Education is God's idea. Healthy government is God's idea. Healthy families are God's idea. There's a businessman... um, I love the business stories, but at any rate, there's a businessman, and uh, I think I've actually shared about this gentleman, uh, McPherson. Um, he wanted to be a rock star like me, so I, I love him for that. He and his wife started touring, and, um, and they, they did love the Lord, and they would take offerings after putting on a show. And after getting an offering one time, and it was $2, uh, then McPherson's like, okay, we got to figure something out here. This isn't working. Um, so he, he really enjoyed making guitars, and he really enjoyed bow hunting. And so he started praying and seeking the Lord, and he began to design new bows. And one night, he's, in, he's laying in bed, so he's going after it. He's working hard. He's in the business realm. He's, he's got a couple of concepts. One night, he's in bed. He wakes up at 2 in the morning. He looks over, and he sees what looks like a piece of notebook paper floating in the, in the sky, like in the room. And, he's, and he looks at it, and he sees a schematic for a new bow. And it was the single cam bow, the McPherson single cam bow, which was the first bow of its kind. It quickly became the number one bow in the world. God gave the man the idea while he was applying his life to being salt and and light for the kingdom. Extraordinary story. Just a great story. Isn't that beautiful? You see, there, it, it, it is not, it's not more supernatural for God to show McPherson a single cam bow than it was for God to speak to my friend to say, don't fire these two employees. I'm not done with them yet. It's the same amount of supernatural contact. It's the same amount of salt. It's the same amount of light. Every one of us is learning to steward the influence that we have in our area. We serve the God who said, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. But if you're unfaithful in little, you will be unfaithful in much. And he is such a good God that he's, and he, and he connects it. He connects this. He says, listen, if you're not faithful with unrighteous mammon, which is the spirit of money, how will you be faithful with true riches? But give, and it will be given to you. So he, he's actually connected what we do in material things with spirituality. He said, I want you to be salt and light. There's no disconnect for you. Everything you do is holy if you do it in my way. You're an influencer. You're salt and light. So God gave us this strategy. Now, this is big picture. God gave us this strategy. He gave it to these great men who are absolutely committed to seeing the gospel of the kingdom go into all the earth. And this strategy is simply this. We need to, number one, recognize we're already in all these spheres of influence. And be salt and light and bring the kingdom into those situations. And many times it's simply by being kind and conscientious and giving your all. Did you know in our day and age, all it really takes to be promoted is to just not be a complete idiot? <laughs> I, I, you think I'm kidding. I am amazed at how absolutely lazy and backbiting and dishonest we can be when we're left to our own devices. I'm just saying the bar's not even that high. 
It's kingdom to tell the truth. That is not, there's another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and it's, it's that kingdom to not tell the truth. Unless it's convenient for you, right? I'm just saying it's not that hard. So God has given us a strategy to understand what actually shapes culture. And every single one of us is called into full-time ministry to share, to serve, to influence, and lead in those spheres. Up to your level of actual ability, influence, and authority. How then do we do that? Lawrence says this. He said to pray this prayer. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. When? That's now. Where? It's all around us as it is in heaven. So the kingdom is coming. Where is the kingdom? Jesus says in Luke, it's in your heart. It's within you. So whenever Jesus is on the throne of your heart, the kingdom has come. And when you go into a sphere, the kingdom has come into that sphere. But if you go into that sphere obeying Jesus, you're going to change that sphere. Isn't that beautiful? So if the word says this, the effective prayer of a righteous person avails much, I think it behooves us Anytime you can throw on behooves, it's good. It behooves. See, it's like galloping towards it with our hooves. Anywho, all right, fine. I'm just letting you into my mind. I see it every time. Behooves. Okay. To begin to pray over these particular spheres of influence. To pray specifically. Because God doesn't say pray in general. We, we did in-home care. I am over by five minutes. Jesus, help me. I started five minutes late, though. I'm going to pray quickly. We, had, we took care of this fellow, and I, I loved his prayer. It was very well meant, but it was the same prayer every time. Jesus, I want to thank you for this food. I pray you bless it, and I pray you bless all the people everywhere. Amen. And you know what? I think the Lord answered that prayer. It's a very general prayer. I'm assuming he did. It'd be hard to measure. God has called us to pray that his kingdom would come and his will be done specifically in every area. And you know what area you're in, and you know where you live. So God has given us a strategy to be able to pray specific prayers into these areas and see his kingdom come and see his will be done that we would see the nations become disciples of Christ as every one of us not only prays, but then shows up and are salt and light. And that's why I'm excited about One Church One Day. We have 25 churches that have already jumped on board. 25 churches, 25 days of the month is covered 24 hours a day by churches that are saying, we want to pray this strategy. We want to pray into these spheres of influence. We want to pray specific prayers that God's kingdom would come, that God's people wouldn't be dumb, and that we would, you, you, you didn't enjoy that? I'm sorry. And that we would move forward with innovation and grace to actually influence our earth so that when people look at it and they don't go, wow, you guys really have a, quite an agenda. You're manipulative, aren't you? No, but rather they say, what is it about you? You are, you are generous. You are kind. You are innovative. You are forgiving. You are merciful. You are motivated. Everywhere you go, everything you touch profits relationally, spiritually, and materially. Do you have a father in heaven? And if so, may I know him? So we're praying that. 
How many of you could get on board with something like that? Come on, good, I already signed you up. Keep your hands up. <laughs> so what I want to ask is simply this. A week from Thursday, this church is going to pray for 24 hours. And what I'm asking is that every, I'm asking that everybody here would pick an hour. How many of you can pray for an hour? Here's the beauty. We have two lists. i got to tell you about the lists. Oh, the lists have been made by strategic teams in those spheres in our region. These are doctors. These are city managers. These are educators. These are business people. These are key people who have real influence, real authority, real money. They're real leaders. And they're really responsible for these things. And they're saying, here are some bullet points of how you can pray so that our region will be blessed. Here are some roadblocks that we need to see overcome so that our region will be blessed. So these are informed strategic prayers in line with a strategy that God gave us 40 years ago. And it's beginning to come together. And i got to say one more thing. Did you hear the part where 25 churches are getting together in our region to agree? That's huge. Thank you, Jesus. That's a sign and a wonder right there. So on your way out, please don't leave without signing up at the back that you'd pray for one hour. And what we'll do is we're going to give you two lists, one for this local church, one for the regional church in, this, in our areas. And you know what? By the time you pray through, through all of them, it'll be like two minutes per thing. You'll be done. An hour will be over like that. We're, what we'd like to do is cover every hour with two people. Because God said, if any two agree touching anything in my name, I'll do it. So we'd like to, within this tribe, have 48 people minimum that will pray for an hour. Does that sound reasonable? Yes. All right. Praise God. One last praise report, and I'm sending you out to go watch the game. Yesterday, did you know that 12 churches got together and served 300 people? They were foster care kids and their families, put on a winter carnival, and it was absolutely beautiful. You had parents crying. You had a bunch of volunteers crying, you babies. No, it was so beautiful. I'm just kidding. You're not babies, but it was awesome. Everybody I saw there. In fact, stand up if you, were, if you served yesterday. Just stand up real quick. Come on now. Who served yesterday? Good job. You guys are stinking awesome. Love you. It was so beautiful. Here we are just putting on a carnival, and the kids are running up, and they're doing these bounce houses, and they're running off, right? And you're just like, man, good job. That was awesome. That was a great time. And you see the faces of these kids, and they're just like, you see me, and you care about something? Unbelievable. Thank you, Jesus. Father, bless this house. Bless us as we pray. Let the spirit of prayer come upon us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.